everybody. Hope you're all having a good time so far. Welcome to Polyamory, Perceptions and Realities. I'm going to read the panel description right quick, make sure everyone is here who is looking to be here. In society and in the media, a number of myths have revolved around polyamory. Though polyamory is becoming more generally accepted, the media shows it as a white phenomenon. Explore and discuss how the polyamorous experience is portrayed and how it differs from reality. My name is Justin. I uh, use all sorts of pronouns except for the pronoun it. I am not an inanimate object. Uh, you can learn more about me by scanning my QR code here, going to my website, or just going to justingrays.org. My name is Kyle. My pronouns are he, him, his. So, where shall we start? For this panel, I think it's best if, if anyone has any questions or wants to interject anything, just go ahead and put up your hand. We'll uh, call on you as we go on, and then perhaps we'll just uh, do this as kind of a discussion and see where things go, because it's just the two of us up here. Yep. Sound like a plan? We could probably fill an hour, though. Probably, yeah. probably. So, polyamory. It's been more generally accepted in the media, but in, how do I put this? Not the most accurate of ways. Have you seen, um, uh, what's that show, Big Love? I've not, but I may have binge-watched Sister Wives more than once. What do you think of Sister Wives? I have mixed feelings on it. Yeah? Yeah, although I, I was talking earlier that... I don't see a ton of media representation. I don't see a ton of media representation of bisexual men as it is. Mm -hmm. um, I see even less representation of poly bisexual men. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to point out right quick, though. Um, I've been reading that a number of Polynesians are opposed to poly being used as the shorthand for polyamory mm -hmm. due to some... Uh, cultural experience with colonialism and Polynesians being shortened to to polys. So some people are trying to use new shorthand like polyase or polyams. I just go full-on polyamory or uh, multiamory sometimes just to mix it up because both those shortened words are they just sound odd to me. Go, all new words sound odd to people generally because that's how language works. It takes time to get used, uh, gets used, get used to it. But we should be conscientious of that, I should say, going forward. And this would have been a perfect conversation for the last panel. This would have been a perfect conversation for the last panel. For those who weren't aware, the last panel was How to Fail Gracefully. But now we're talking about polyamory, so... <laughs> So I usually use the term polyam. Mm -hmm. I, it's grown on me. Uh, and honestly, some people have been like, well, why are you doing this thing and changing your whole language because of something that a small factor? Yeah, and that's my thing, because it hurts somebody. If adding two letters to a word that I use mm -hmm. saves somebody else from being hurt, it's... Not a big deal to me. So. Yeah, I mean, small is such a concept. I mean, when does it become enough? When it's a thousand, ten thousand, a million? Yeah. Well, anyway, um, so about some of the perceptions and realities. What are some of the perceptions that you see? Oh, polyamorous. A lot perceptions. of the perceptions I see, especially in news articles talking about polyamory, is. A white cis male and two white cis females 
for some reason sharing a bed with their feet sticking out, which seems hella uncomfortable to me, one. I don't like my feet sticking off the end of the bed. Yes. It's cold. You know, the monsters under the bed will eat your feet. You don't want that. You have places to go the next day. But two, that's every, every image I've ever seen when it's being taken seriously is some combination of white couples. And it's usually a male and two females, uh, sometimes two cis males and two cis females. But it almost never gets into the diverse experiences people have with polyamory. You know, being persons of color, uh, various sexualities, being all same gender relationships. You know, it's very extensive and it crosses so many cultures, but then we keep getting focused on the same, it's almost a stock image at this point, even though it's different people's feet almost every time. And for those of you who can see us in person, I'm not just playing on my phone. Um, recently there was an article in the city pages about polyamory in the Twin Cities. Oh yeah, I and, saw that. Yeah. yeah and they were looking for people in through a group in which I'm active, and I'm seeing one of the people was talking about how their identity as a genderqueer person was just ignored in the article altogether, and how their experiences mm -hmm. with men were more or less ignored in the article. And yeah, I get yeah, that a lot. Yeah. And there were no people of color in that article either, although there are several people of color in the group. Mm -hmm. and several people who are happy to talk. Yeah, I, I identify as gray gender. It, what, that, what that means is that I have a, a loose concept of gender. I don't feel that I am of a particular gender, but being gendered doesn't bother me overly much either, uh, which is why I'm comfortable with having almost any pronoun used for me. And the lack of gender diversity in polyamorous relationships has always been a troublesome one for me because it helps reinforce that that idea where it's supposed to be, you know, one man with with multiple women, the the old polygynous I'm going to say polygynous, but it's te actually pronounced polygynous. It just sounds way too close to Polygamous, so polygynous um, relationships that Western culture tends to see as more, I don't know, natural perhaps, if, you know, TV is to be believed. And a lot of people tend to believe TV. Now, have you seen a perception of something that I've seen is that a lot of people are polyamorous as a phase. They just haven't found the one, or they just want to be wild and free before they settle down, or that jealousy will tear people apart, et cetera, et cetera. I have not seen anybody who has felt it as a phase. Mm -hmm. I do know some people who, have, who are polyamorous and have entered monogamous relationships mm -hmm. because the person that they've gotten together with, they care for so much that they are willing to cut off a part of their own personality for. I find that, un I don't find that doable for me. To each their own, if they are happy, that's fine, but that's something I am not able to do. I didn't even think that this would come up, but um, that is what happened with my ex. I was in a long-term monogamous relationship. I realized this isn't for me, but 
I love you, I want to be with you, I want to spend my life with you, and if you need monogamy, I'm willing to do that. One of the reasons we broke up was she was said, I don't just need you to be monogamous, I need you to need monogamy yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, I don't, I don't need monogamy. And for me, and that's one reason why she's my ex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have found that in my current relationship, we've been together for almost six years now, and we were never monogamous, and I found that that actually took a lot of pressure off of the relationship. There were a lot fewer issues with jealousy, because there was never the expectation that we would be there to fill each other's every needs. Mm-hmm. I'm internally cor- correcting the grammar there. I get that, I get yeah. that. Going back a little bit to when you realized being polyamorous and your partner at the time was monogamous, when did you realize that you were polyamorous? Honestly, it was when I ran into somebody that I used to know, mm-hmm. and we were we were loosely involved, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, hey, I still have feelings for this person. Well, how about that? I know how that song stuck in my head. Somebody I used to know. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. That, oh, that. that doesn't work for me, unfortunately. Uh, for me, I, I realizing that I'm polyamorous was a multi-step process. When I was in elementary school, so in elementary school, you start developing crushes on people because you're growing up. You know, your hormones are starting to turn on, and you're trying to figure out what's what and who you are and all that stuff. And I noticed, you know, all of my friends were only have crushes on one person, and I was having crushes on multiple people. And I'm like. Oh, maybe I should only have a crush on one person, since that's what everyone else is doing. I don't want to seem too different, because I'm already different enough for various reasons. Let's just go ahead and, you know, not tell anybody. So then, as I got older, I got into high school, and one day I am, you know, in class, not paying attention to class, because... I, I have ADD, and my parents wouldn't get me tested for that at that point. That's a different story entirely. So I'm sitting there and thinking about how many people are on this planet and that it is impossible for someone to live long enough to get a relevant statistical size of the population to find out who the one person for each person is. You know, when there's six billion people on the planet at that point in time, you can't do that. You don't live long enough. There's too many people. And so I just started thinking, you know, the concept of it being one person for everybody was silly. Uh, Later on, some other point in high school, it occurred to me that some people, you know, are in very happy relationships for their entire lives. And then one person, you know, dies before the other, and the other one eventually gets remarried and then is having, you know, very loving, very happy, fulfilling relationship the rest of their lives. What if that second uh, person comes in, you know, arrives in their life, and the first one is still there? What happens then? That sounds like a recipe for everyone to be upset and depressed. So I was like, no, I, that, this doesn't make sense. You know, people should be able to experience their feelings with people as long as they're, you know, able to get together and are accepting and open about it. And then at some other point, I said to myself, you know, if someone, if I were to date someone and they wanted to date someone else at the same time, I am not their owner. I can't say no. They should just go ahead and do that. So, you know, all that was throughout high school. I didn't actually have a word for it until I was in my early to mid-twenties, I think, because the internet. The internet wasn't really a thing when I was in high school. And then when it became a thing, communities started popping up and people were talking. And I could go, Yes, 
that, that, that describes me. This, this is a word I can use that will explain what I'm thinking in a concise method, or a concise way, so I don't have to go on these long explanations. So yeah, it took a while, but I've known it my entire life. I just didn't really have a way to understand it until I was in high school, and I didn't have a word for it until I was in my 20s. Anyway, let, let's go back, because I had asked you about sister wives, and I don't think we actually went on from there. You said you had binge-watched it a couple of times. Maybe. Maybe. You may or may not have, without confirming either way, binge-watched it a couple of times. Um, how did you feel about their portrayal of polyamory? It was very male-dominated. Mm-hmm. Which, mm-hmm. But I did find it interesting that it was very much a family. All of the wives interact with each other. And there is conflict, as there is in any family, and especially on your average TLC show. Mm -hmm. Is that the Mormon one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The way that they portrayed it was very, very different from my experiences. But I did find it to be entertaining enough to Mm -hmm. shut off my brain for a weekend, which may or may not have happened. I take it there were no persons to call it in that one either? Absolutely not. It's Utah. Yeah, all right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not only I don't television. think I've actually met any persons of color from Utah. Yeah, I, I, particularly with the Mormon church's relationship with people of color until very oh, recently. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, that whole thing. Uh, for those who don't know, African Americans could not become elders in the Mormon church until, what was it, 74? Seven? I think it was within my lifetime. 87? I, I think it was in the late 80s to mid 90s. Oh. Like, it right. was It was recent. very recent, yes. And on top of that, uh, Mormons would, in an attempt to save the souls of African Americans, would rewrite family histories so that they could have some relation to something or another to give them a chance to get into heaven if they so choose. It's problematic. Well, then that brings up the question, how is it that my brain can come up with a brilliant question and then go blank the second I try to get it out of my mouth? Did it have to do religion? Probably. And did it have I, to I do with uh, those Christian swingers? It did not. Okay. Um, <laughs> It had something to do with the relationship between polyamory and faith. and But that could be a panel all onto its own. Yes, it could be. That could be a, but a wonderful panel. Do you want to start it? You know, give people a taste, and then we can tangent off on that on uh, some other time? If you Let's have the words for it. Let's come back to it, because I don't have the words for it right now. Okay. Uh, to bring up the swinging comment, though, that I just made, because I thought that's where you're going with. Swinging and polyamory, while related, are not the same thing. Polyamory is, you know, multiple loving relationships. Uh, being open about how you're feeling with each other and being able to uh, experience that. Whereas swinging is typically... Trading spouses for short periods of time. There's a phrase, well, uh, don't fall in love, I think it is. 
I think that really depends on the swinging community. It does depend on the swinging community. A- as with everything, there is um, variations mm-hmm. to it. Uh, Nothing static. Typically, the way that uh, the very loosest. Thank you. Um, is swinging tends to be more about sex and an act, whereas polyamory tends to be more about the relationships. Um, where swinging is more something that you do with polyamory, it's you're still going to go home with those people, they're going to mm-hmm. build your lives together. And of course, like with any of this, that varies from community to community and from person to person even. But there's often some contention between swinging communities and polyamorous communities and people that say, well, you're, you're polyam, mm-hmm. that's like swinging, right? Or you're swingers, that's like being polyamorous. And no! <laughs> exactly like that. It has to be said exactly like that. Right? Yes, yeah. yes. That's a lie. That's a lie. I've never actually met any swingers. Yes, you have. I have? You have. Oh. Not knowing, though. Yeah. Not knowing, though. Yep. You, you never know who they are. Yeah, they're that's very, true. very concerned about keeping it quiet. Yeah, yeah that's true. All right, I should say I have never actively been aware that I know swingers. Yep. Yes. And then there are some people that start out in swinging communities and like, mm-hmm. hey, mm-hmm. I'm, I really like this person, and so let's explore building that relationship. And yeah. So I, I, I guess one could say that polyamory and swinging both fall under the greater non-monogamy umbrella mm-hmm. because both are forms of non-monogamy, no matter how much contention there is between the, the, uh, the two groups, how much contention there stereotypically is between the two groups would be a much better thing to say because, you know, I being polyamorous, I don't care if people are swingers or not, personally. If you're happy with it, you're safe, you're sane, and you're consensual, have at it. Okay, just just do your thing. I also forgot where I was going with that. I apologize. It's 1025 and all's well. Yeah, yeah. Our brains are dead and we haven't even started drinking. That's right. I true. I see your hands up. Growing up, one of my best friend's parents were in a poly relationship. She mm. had two dads and one mom. And the grandparents had no idea. <laughs> oh, wow. One of them was black and one of them was white. And if she was born black, there was going to be a lot of explaining. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's always under the impression that Michael was a friend that lived with them. Mm-hmm. But nope. I have heard quite a bit of that. And actually, my, um, my anchor partner's parent, my anchor partner grew up in a polyamorous household. Her mom was in a relationship with two men and my partner grew up having no idea that most kids didn't have two heterosexual dads. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And when they found out that it was what? What do you mean you only have one dad? <laughs> and and one mom and they that's weird. Your family's weird. Yeah. And, the times they are a changing. Well and this was Late 80s, early 90s. and uh, yeah, I forgot that I'm that much older than both of y'all. You're not much older than me. How much older am I? I don't know. I'm 34. No, we're the same age then. Oh. When, wait, <laughs> when did you turn 34? When did you turn 35? All right, so I'm a year and a half older than you. Uh, wait, a year and a half? 
Or half a year. I don't yeah, know. I'm tired. I can't math. Your birthday's in May. Yes. Okay. So there we go. So there. I had a thought off of that. Sorry. Hiding it from family, yes. Uh, hiding it from family is, is often a big event because, for example, um, one of my family members came out as polyamorous to the rest of the family, including a member of the family whom I have never told for various reasons. And that turned into temporarily not being able to uh, share in family experiences for a time because one member of the family thinks it's wrong for the, the reasons why this family member thought it was wrong was the same reason why interracial marriages were illegal up until recently, which I pointed out to this family member because... This family member is married to a white person. Aha! Yes, this person never, never saw the irony of it. It's almost as if irony just makes clothes flat, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah. It was very disheartening. It also made me glad that I did not come out to this person and proved me right once again in what I choose to hide from this member of my family. But it was also very disheartening to see the family member who came out having to deal with this because under, uh, under many circumstances, you don't want to have schisms happening within your own family. I mean, sometimes you do. I'm, I'm not saying you always don't. There's so many different family dynamics, but in my family, it's something that you don't want to see. It's just very hurtful, especially on that part of the family where everyone is very close-knit. But... There is a lot of stigma still that I find, sometimes due to the concept of cheating and how normalized cheating is. Has anybody ever asked you about cheating in, in relation to polyamory? Funny story, that. Yeah? So, a friend of mine found out that I was going on a date with Natalie. Mm-hmm. He didn't realize that I was polyamorous. Mm-hmm. But knowing me... The second he realized, went, oh, you're polyamorous. The thought that I was cheating on Shonda just could not cross his mind. Yeah. And for some additional context, I'm secretly two golden retrievers in a trench coat under this. <laughs> I'm, I'm very loyal. I'm very cuddly with, with my pack. And so that somebody immediately thought that I was polyamorous rather than thinking that I was cheating is apropos. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have encountered many stories, first and second hand, about people being told that they should not be polyamorous, they should just do the right thing and cheat on their partner. What? Yes. What? In virtually those words, I'm paraphrasing. I, that, that, yes, yes. I don't know. So, Cheating is normalized. <clears throat> And being open about your feelings and acting on them in a, you know, consensual manner is, is not. So for the purposes of this conversation, we are defining cheating as the act of engaging in a relationship with somebody other than your primary or anchor partner without that partner's knowledge or consent. Yes. Okay. Um, so not like some, some relationships have an agreement where you can do what you want. Yeah, you can do what you want. 
I don't want to hear about it. But go have fun. I'll be here when you get home. But they, the important thing there is consent. Consent, consent, consent. Consent, the, yes. Yeah. And um, wow, that. I just need a second to process. Yeah. That. Yeah, it's. Like, I'm, I'm really upset by that because I have. It hurts your body. Yeah. It, it yeah. does. The puppy is sad. Oh, I was. And it is possible to cheat in a polyamorous relationship. It happened to me a number of years ago. Um, what happened is I was with a partner who we saw each other a few times a year. It was a long distance relationship. And what happened is when he started seeing someone else and started hooking up with her, he denied that we had any involvement. Um, we were... But we were all chatting together, and he's like, yeah, I haven't been with anybody else in years, and I just flew out to California, like, three months ago, and and you're telling her that we haven't been involved, and she knows you! Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. They actually met because he was dating her when he was still married to somebody else without that, without his wife's consent, so, yeah. Yeah. It's probably a good thing we're not... Involved anymore, isn't it? I, I would say so. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I was in a relationship where I found out that I was facilitating her cheating on her boyfriend because I eventually met her boyfriend and he didn't know that we were together. I didn't really know that he was even aware that anything else was going on. Normally I try to keep the policy of meeting or at least finding a way to confirm with a partner's partner that yes, they are okay with this. Uh, this time around, I was not able to due to various circumstances. But when I did finally meet them, they had no idea. And then I was brought to light later that, that I was the tool being used for cheating in an otherwise open relationship. That was, well, that was gross. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did not feel clean after that for a very, very long time. But there are all sorts of styles of relationship when it comes to uh, having non-monogamous relationships, and they're all equally valid. Um, you know, what, what do you say normally works for you in, in your relationships? Communication. Yeah. Communication. Yeah. Communication. Yeah. I actually run my relationships in a very similar way to that. I do um, a lot of my nonprofit work. Mm -hmm. I have spreadsheets. I have PowerPoints. I have a Why You Should Date Kyle PowerPoint. Nice. Yeah. I, Natalie and I did that because we thought it would be fun. <laughs> it was great. Um, and Shonda and I, my anchor partner for the first several months of our relationship we made it oh yes I think anchor partners that um, define the Shonda is huh I guess they're my wife now aren't they technically yeah you all signed the paper right no but we spiritually then yeah yeah so we had a ceremony and, and our, yeah um but what would you say is but, the definition of anchor partner? Yeah, and that differs for everybody. But for me, um, 
nesting partner or anchor partner. That is the partner with whom I, that's who I live with. That is who. Who you nest with? Who I nest with. I'm who I come home to. And some relationships have a hierarchy and mine is one of them. Shonda is, actually no, my grandmother comes first. My niece comes second. <laughs> You're aware that sounds incestuous, right? I don't care. Okay. I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. I, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so grandmother, yep. niece. Yep. And then, Sean. And for heaven's sakes, my grandmother's almost 97. She's... So you've seen a lot. Yeah. And so... I, my mind started going off on a tangent about polyamory in the 1940s, um, mm -hmm. which was a thing. Um, it very much was. It very much was. I have some stories about that, actually. Yep. So does she. I bet she does. Yep. And we should get her to write, that down, uh, write them down. She did. Oh, good. And I wouldn't give her back her first draft. So I have. Um, and, and now I'm starting to write down the stories that, now that all of the kids are grown, mm -hmm. she's starting to give up. Because... So my grandmother recently let it slip that people are no kinkier and no sluttier than they were 70 years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... Since the stories my grandpa told me. Yeah. It, it, there were some wild times in the 20s and 30s and 40s. Oh, yes. And she's like, you like to pretend that we were so pure and innocent, but you have no idea. Like, oh, yeah. Grandma... Um, in working on my degree, I have, a, I have a bachelor's of art in gender studies. And in working on my degree, I uh, did some research into uh, African-American relationships in early 20th century. And one of the things I found repeatedly was that as we were seen as not fully human, um, a lot of the typical monogamy, you know, as being the thing to do was not really enforced upon us. So as long as people were, um, kept it quiet, did not make it a lot of fuss about it, is what I mean about, not about keeping it quiet, people would have relationships with other people outside of marriage on a regular basis. And it was a known thing within black communities, and it was accepted because, I don't actually know why it was accepted. I, didn't uh, find anything in my research, but as long as everyone you know went home to their spouses, it was seen as okay until you know Jim Crow started dying down officially. We live in different days now. We live in stupider days now. Yes. You, you made me wonder. It's like I was really encouraged when there was all this like gay marriage. I find in all the research I've done so far, I find that it's because 
Europeans got on boats and fucked things up. So you know the horrendous laws against homosexuality throughout Africa? Those were all from France, Belgium, and England. They did not exist beforehand. Uh, people with different gender identities were seen equally or as divine, depending on the situation and location. There were different forms of relationships throughout the African continent involving multiple people, and legal understandings were very different until colonizers came in and fucked things up and drew arbitrary lines places. And same thing happened here in North America. There was, depending on the nation, you know, there's um, Two-Spirit is a well, more known one now. I can't think of any other names for any other regions. And different uh, practices until Europeans came and fucked shit up. So a lot of that one man, one woman thing comes from the lasting effects of shit being fucked up. But since it was so powerful, it has a lasting effect. Unless something radical happens, probably going to stay for a while. Although I think we're going to see more, well, we're already seeing more acceptance of polyamory, but we'll start seeing things in the courts. There was a case in, where, was it Argentina? There's been at least one case recently where three people have been allowed to be legally married. I've seen multiple cases in news reports, but none of the articles I've seen were from reputable sites. So I haven't put any, uh, I haven't put any faith into those. Okay. I mean, I'm not saying that it hasn't happened. I just right. have not found any reputable evidence on and it. And I'm trying to think of where, I think the future is always hopeful. There's always hope in the unknown. Yeah. Wow, when did I become an optimist? Oh, right, the Golden Retrievers. Golden Retrievers. All right, we also have six minutes left on the panel. There will be another panel coming here afterwards, which I knew earlier, and then I completely spaced it. Are you on that panel? Too? I am not on that panel. This is my last panel of today. Nice. Yes. I can. Well, I can't today, yeah. I can't tomorrow. Justin is doing 11 panels this weekend. 10 panels. 10 panels. Yes. Right. The, the 11th one was not my name. It was, it was a fake out because I didn't type my full name. So since we only have five minutes left here. Um, does anybody have any questions, anything they want to add, statements? With that then, thank you all for coming. Please feel free to stick around for the next panel.